Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. show. Uh, this is the uh, second portion of tonight. I call this the double feature. I hope uh, you were able to catch the previous program with Romeo, and if not, it is available up in the MP3 archive, and also we are in the Apple iTunes directory. You can go over there and subscribe for free, and uh, get the content downloaded to your iPod every day. So it's my uh, special uh, pleasure and honor tonight to have Benjamin Brook back on. Uh, there's a lot of people tuning into this program tonight. Uh, Benjamin is the author of the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. His websites are thedayofthelordisathand.com and benjaminbaruch.com. And I see the uh, chat room already filling up to capacity. And uh, I believe before the night's over, we're going to get into some really cool stuff here. So without further ado, let me uh, get Benjamin on the line. Stand by. Benjamin, are you with us? I'm with you. There's the man. How are you tonight, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Brother, I'm doing all right. Every day uh, above ground is a good day. Amen. Amen. So you're, you're doing like a double header? We actually just did three hours. So we started tonight at 8. <laughs> Praise good God, he gave you. me uh, the ability to sit in a chair. As long as I have uh, the energy to do it, I'm going to keep on doing it. So praise God. Amen. That's awesome. Well, brother, I was... Uh, so, what, tell me, what is this chat room you're talking about? Okay. Um, what we do is uh, we're simulcasting live over the Internet, so anybody, of course, with a connection can hear us, but uh, if you go to blogtalkradio.com, blog, B-L-O-G, radio, talk, blog, no, blog talk, excuse me, talkradio.com, slash Omega Man Radio, uh, you can go over and you can see our live chat, and uh, people can come in there and they'll be carrying on conversations during the show. Uh, and like a lot of people... Blog, are, can I go there? Can I go Absolutely. There? Okay, okay blog, talk blog radio. blogtalkradio.com. Right. And then backslash uh-huh. Omega Man Radio. Omega Man Radio. Okay, great. Now, when you hit there, it's going to take you to uh, tonight's show. 
Um, look for the okay. heading. It will say Benjamin Brook. And then you should, uh, when you click on that, um, it will actually stream the show live to your computer, and you'll see a chat room below. Okay, so I, I should turn off my speakers. So sure. Feedback. Great. But it's kind of cool. You know, it's, it's sort of like a Internet church. Um, in fact, when I started going into some of these chat rooms, it was like going to church on a Wednesday night. You know, go back and see some of the same friends and, you know, hang out and hear a good sermon. And uh, all we were missing is uh, the restaurant aspect. You know, we used to go to what's called Afterglow in the old days. <laughs> it would be the Greasy Spoon or the Waffle House or whatever it may be. So how do I get into this chat room? Do I click on uh, the Omega Man Radio Network? Yeah. The picture, or do I click on the episode on air? Yeah, go to the episode on air. Okay, just click on Benjamin Baruch. Yes. Okay. And that will take you to tonight's show page. It is actually well, going I don't want to miss right tonight's now. show. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going on in this chat room. Yeah. So we, uh, anyway, it's good to be here. Well, praise God. Uh, you you were on the last time with us about three months ago. We were just getting started up. I think you were one of the first that was with on, on the show. So, praise God, well, he's I, uh, taken us a long way. Yeah, yeah, I listened to a few of the shows. I want to thank you for the excellent programming that you've been providing. I think it's awesome. Well, to God be the glory, man. We're just uh, we're just vessels oh, here. Amen. I'm nothing amen. but a peon, my friend. Well, you know. <laughs> That's all of us, but for the grace of God, every single one of us would have been a vessel of dishonor, but for the Lord's rich and abundant mercy. Man, I have to thank God every day that uh, he didn't choose me as a vessel of dishonor like maybe Pharaoh and hardened my heart. That would have been a pretty bad way to go. Yeah, that would be a a tough road. That would be downright depressing. But those people are blinded at the moment. At the moment, they are rejoicing. And we, the bride, the chosen, we are actually weeping. We are lamenting. We are repenting. And at the same time, we move from glory to glory. You know, Isn't it amazing how the Lord, you know, he knows when to encourage you and he knows when to correct you. And God is so faithful to purify his people. And it is just awesome. It's awesome to be in the process. I'm having a good day. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I'm giving thanks to God for all that he's doing. It's getting pretty dark out there, but I'll tell you, there's a light that's coming upon the people of God. There's a a light, a revelation of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that's coming upon God's chosen ones. The people that are willing to be made willing, the people that are willing to separate themselves from the iniquity of Babylon, the people that are willing to pick up their cross and follow Jesus. And hallelujah, you know, our salvation is of the Lord. We can actually rest in the faithfulness of God. He's going to walk us through this hour. And so in that, I'm rejoicing, brother. Man, that's you know, the only we way to make it. We did not save ourselves. Amen. We did not save ourselves. I was reading, um, <clears throat> I've been kind of just going through the scripture book by book and chapter by chapter, and, and I was reading um, Hebrews. 
this last week and um, came across some things that I just thought were such a blessing I wanted to share them. Um, from Hebrews 13, for our, our listeners that might want to um, read along, Paul is exhorting the church in, in Jerusalem, and he writes, Let brotherly love continue. And be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And I can testify of that. That has actually happened to me. Um, praise God. He goes on and he says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said unto us, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. What an awesome promise we have. The God that began the good work in us is going to complete it. He is going to finish the work that he began because we are the workmanship of his hands. And Paul continues in verse 6, So we may boldly proclaim, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hallelujah. Verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is the Lord that's never going to forsake us. And be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines. Boy, there's a lot of that going on today. There are so many strange doctrines, and there are strange spirits at work in the church, too. So much of people that call on the name of the Lord and, and proclaim themselves to be charismatic or are following another anointing. Uh, Andrew Strom, I think, did some great teaching on that and you know it's a hard thing for some people to understand but there's a counterfeit you know there's a counterfeit oh, yeah. church there's a counterfeit anointing and that counterfeit will fool all but the discernment from the Lord it, it can fool you but hallelujah you know if you're if you're really seeking the Lord with all your heart if you're seeking the Lord with all of your heart you'll be able to discern the counterfeit from the real. You know, there's two cities. There's there's the heavenly Zion that is coming soon, and then there's Mystery Babylon that's in its final hour. And there's two rivers. There's the river of life, and there's the river Hades that, that leads to destruction. And there's two women. There's the bride of Christ, and then there's the whore of Babylon. And those of us that have been called out and chosen, the Lord grants us wisdom. If we ask in faith, God will give us wisdom and we can discern the real from the counterfeit. Amen, and because... We need to put away the counterfeit. You know, I, I know believers that are... that love the Lord, that, that really are... have been genuinely saved, but yet are were captured by the counterfeit. And it, it used to, you know, it marveled me. I, I never understood. How could this counterfeit spirit, and, you know, I'm talking about that kundalini spirit, that that false serpent-like spirit that, that would masquerade itself as the Holy Spirit and, and you know, would cast down the people of God in, in, in the churches. 
and it, and it would be outrageous, you know, uh, outrageous behavior of disorder. People having epileptic seizures and thinking it was the anointing. People barking like dogs. People laughing irresponsibly. You know, the scripture says laughter is in the house of fools. And mourning is in the house of the wise. And, and I always wondered, how did that counterfeit make such an inroad and deceive so many? And, you know, some people think that the church can't be deceived. Well, you know, that's pretty wishful thinking because Jesus himself warned us, take heed that no man deceive you. Well, the Lord's warnings are not vain. They're actually prophetic of what would come. The Lord was actually prophesying or telling us through a prophetic warning that at the time of the end, the majority would become deceived. Take heed that it not happen to you. And one of the deceptions that's come within the body in this final hour is this counterfeit. There's a counterfeit gospel where holiness has been reduced to money. You know, sow a seed. It's all about money, giving money and getting money. It's as if God's running some kind of spiritual pyramid scheme. And that's just a counterfeit because the scripture admonishes us to acquire gold which can be purchased without price. But you can only get this gold from Jesus. You can't buy it from uh, the gold dealers they advertise on TV. You know, the wealth of the kingdom is the righteousness and the holiness. And it, it's, not, it's not the filthy lucre. It's not the love of money, which is the root of all evil. And so, that you know, we've got these false doctrines. We've got the false deliverance of the preacher of rapture, yes. which... You know, is another deception, another error that came into the church in this, these last days. And so Paul admonishes us, be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines. But, you know, for years I, I marveled at how did this counterfeit come in and be received by so many? And recently I've been given some insight into how this happened. And it's really kind of terrifying. Now, the scripture says the human heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And the truth is, our own hearts are deceitfully wicked. And who can know what's in your own heart? Unless the Lord searches your heart and reveals it unto you, we will hide our own sin. And we can fall so far that we fall into pretense. We can pretend to repent. We can pretend to seek first the kingdom of God. We can pretend. We can honor God with our lips and our hearts can still be distracted by our idols of pride and vanity and bitterness and, and all of the idolatry of this wicked age. Those things can be hidden within us. Just like Rachel hid the, the gods of her father in Jacob's 10, we can hide these things in our heart, and, and we're, we're successful at hiding them from ourselves. But really, we're pretending. And because we've pretended, and we've, we've begun to operate in pretense, we are open to receive the counterfeit. Because we ourselves have become part of the counterfeit. And 
you know, every one of us needs to examine our hearts and and seek the Lord and, and, and ask Him to search our hearts that we would not find pretense within us because, you know, to varying degrees, it's been in every one of us from time to time. And so I would just you know, encourage our listeners, you know, seek the Lord with your whole heart, fast and pray, and ask God to search your heart. And I'm certainly asking Him to search mine and... Because, you know, Paul goes on, he says, you know, don't be carried away with these strange doctrines. And there's tons of them today. There's also a lot of false prophets, you know. Don't don't let them speak into your life either. And then Paul goes on, he says, it's a good thing that your heart be established with grace, not with meat, not with food, which has not profited those that have been occupied with food. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest is burned outside the camp. Sacrifices are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify us, his people, through his own blood, suffered outside of the gate. He was an outcast, and he suffered outside. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him, outside of the camp, Bearing his reproach. And you know, one of the things that Jesus said is, they hated me without cause. They hated the Lord for telling the truth. They hated him because he stood in the light. And why? Why was there such a hatred from the people of God? This was Israel that rejected him. Because his light and his truth challenged their pretense. He challenged their worship that was in form only, their praise that were meaningless words, their hearts were far from God. They were going through the motions of worship. They were going through the outward motions of temple worship. But corruption had come within the leadership and it had contaminated the people. And when the Lord showed up with the truth and with the light, it hurt their eyes. And it began to uncover the pretense in their hearts. And so, rather than repent, they attacked the messenger of light. And they hated him without cause. And he was cast out, and he suffered outside the camp. And we who have been called into the remnant, we are afforded the same treatment. But hallelujah, because it's a blessing to suffer and persecution for the name of the Lord. And Paul goes on, I'm reading in Hebrews 13, verse 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. And that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, the scripture says to glorify the Lord in the fire. I believe that's in Isaiah 63. We are to glorify the Lord in the fire. And why is that? Because God chose us. In a furnace of affliction. You know, this is the day that the Lord has made. We are entering into the day of the Lord. It is His day. He made it. This was God's plan to bring to a conclusion this rebellion. The scripture calls it the indignation that's been occurring among these nations walking in rebellion. And the Lord is going to allow this to come to a fullness. And at the same time, 
he is going to manifest himself strong as a mighty deliverer of his people, and he's going to use the days and the time that is ahead to purify himself a people, that they might be holy, that he, as he is holy. And we need to recognize that God has chosen us in a furnace of affliction. And the scripture calls unto us to glorify the Lord in the fire. And it's hard to do because you have to get out of the mind of the flesh. You have to get out of your emotional, solical man. And you have to begin to perceive through the mind of the Spirit and recognize that, yes, I'm in this intense fire. Yes, it's very hot and very uncomfortable. And at times can be downright painful. But even as Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, we too are learning obedience to the Lord through the things that we are suffering. This furnace of affliction is purifying us, and it's making us perfect. And one of the ways we move towards perfection is as we begin to offer the sacrifice of praise. You know, the old covenant sacrifices have been canceled. They've been replaced. Because the perfect sacrifice for sin has already been made when Jesus laid his entire life down for our sins. Because we chose to sin, Jesus had to die. And he willingly took our punishment that he might deliver us from the wrath that is to come. And that's not the great tribulation. That's the eternal judgment of God in an eternal hell. And there's no comparison between the events of the great tribulation, which Paul refers to as a minor suffering. The present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory. But the eternal suffering that is coming upon the wicked... The scripture describes it as the wrath that is to come, and the Lord, who is so rich in his mercy and love for his people, he took that punishment. He stood in our place. He was made a reproach. They beat him mercilessly, and then they killed him, and his blood was poured out, and atonement was made for our sin, that we could be cleansed and that we could be made holy. Because that's God's will for his people, so that they would be holy, even as he is holy. And God is holy, holy, holy. There are three dimensions to the holiness of God, and I don't know that I understand even the beginning of that, but, but in an application to our lives, it's talking about a holiness in our mind a holiness in our spirit, and a holiness in our body, a holiness in our the words we speak, the thoughts we entertain. The holiness of God is to transcend our reality in all of its dimensions. And we are commanded to be holy. And we can become holy because it's God who's working this in us. And the means that he uses is the furnace of affliction. He brings judgment on our sin. Hallelujah. And we are to get to the point as mature believers where we thank the Lord for his judgments in our life. And we rejoice that we're in that fire because we know 
by faith and by God's own word in which he's revealed to us his purpose and his plan in our lives, that God has chosen us for this furnace, in this furnace, only for a time. And that time will come to pass. But while we're in that furnace, let us rejoice in the Lord, because that's the victory. As I mentioned, the old covenant sacrificial system has been done away. The Levitical priesthood has been done away. The new priesthood, according to the order of Melchizedek, in which Jesus Christ is now the high priest unto God, and he ministers unto God the Father in the very heavens on our behalf, that priesthood still requires us to participate, because we are a kingdom of priests and kings unto the Lord, and we are required to bring a sacrifice under the Amen. new Melchizedek order. But this new order, which is the perfect law of liberty, the scripture declares that we are now under the perfect law of liberty. And in this new law of liberty, in which we've been set free from our sin and our iniquity, we're required to bring a sacrifice of praise. God wants our faith to so transform our perspective on life that we in an attitude of praise continually. Continually. Even when we're persecuted, even when we're in the fire, even when we are suffering the reproach of the people that hated the Lord and they will certainly hate us, we are to offer the sacrifice of praise and give thanksgiving to His name. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Hallelujah. And then going on to verse 20 in Hebrews 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of peace that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, our great shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, and this covenant will never be annulled. It'll never be replaced. The old covenant was repealed. It was canceled. It was put away. A new covenant has come. A new law has come. Yes. A new law has come, folks. A new commandment was given unto us that we love one another. That's the highest commandment. That's the essence of the law. A new covenant and a new commandment the perfect law of liberty through the blood of Jesus Christ, which has created an everlasting covenant, which will make you perfect in every good work to do His will. This perfect law of liberty and the new covenant that was forged through the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the shedding of His blood, has the purpose of making you perfect. You are to be perfected in every good work to do God's will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in the Father's sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. 
It's the power of God, not by might, not by strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. But we have to cooperate. We have to bring the sacrifice of praise. We have to separate ourselves. We have to touch not the unclean thing. We have to turn away from the the ways of the flesh. We have to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. And as Paul continues in verse 22, And I beseech you, brethren, listen to me, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation. Suffer this word. Listen to me. Hear me now. You know, the prophet Jeremiah in the Hebrew, his name is Hear Me Now. Hear me now, says the Lord. So I'm just rejoicing, Omega Man. Praise God. That the Lord has called us to go forth rejoicing. Yes, the Great Tribulation is coming upon us quickly. Yes, a time of great testing is drawing nigh upon the people of God. But the Lord will always grant us a way of escape. Amen. And the way of escape is to not seek to save your life. Jesus said, whoever seeks to save their life in this hour will lose it. And whoever is willing to lose their life for my sake the same shall save it. So we have to make the decision. We're not going to save our life. It is actually no longer your life. If you've been born again, your old life has died. Paul says, recognize yourself crucified with Jesus Christ. Pick up your cross daily and recognize your old nature crucified with Jesus Christ. Now, that's a doctrine that people opine to intellectually, but very few people walk in experimentally, experientially. But we can walk in it. Because it's the will of the Father that you be made perfect in every good work to do His will. That is the Father's will for us. And we can do our part. I would encourage all of our listeners to be fasting and praying. We just walked through Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, a few days ago. And, and for many people, it's a day of fasting. And we're under the perfect law of liberty. So in my understanding of Scripture, that means each one of us has received liberty from the Lord to follow our convictions by the Holy Spirit. So we're not under a yoke of bondage, we're under freedom. Some people, in their freedom, chose to fast on Yom Kippur. And what a blessing that is. Others chose not to. And they're blessed as well. But the scripture exhorts all of us that regardless of the day, we should all be fasting and praying on some kind of a regular basis. And i got to tell you, Omega Man... This fasting in this hour is powerful. It is powerful. And um, just the other night, I was in prayer with my wife, and we'd been fasting and been seeking the Lord, and we were crying out. I mean, in, in desperation, crying out to the Lord. And as we began to pray... The heavens opened, 
and a cloudburst, a, a rain, it just suddenly poured. Wow. I mean, it was like the latter-day rain just let go, and <laughs> and um, it was a blessing. It was it was as if the Lord was just you know giving a little sign of I'm listening, be encouraged, I'm with you. I promised I would never leave you, and I would never forsake you. And I know many, many believers that I, I talk to a number of people. There are a lot of people walking through some pretty intense fire right now. Amen. And the enemy is barking. The dogs of doom are howling outside the gates of the temple. And this, the great accuser of the brethren is accusing God's people with all kinds of things today. But the Lord would remind us that he said he would never leave us. He will never forsake us. You know, and we um, need to be encouraged. Benjamin, I was talking to a friend uh, just today, and I said, you know, my friend, I have never been under such such attack. But not just me. Everybody I know is under attack. I mean, there's hostile takeovers going on in churches. There's a spirit of Jezebel manifesting. People are saying, you know, I've had enough. I'm throwing in the towel on ministry. Um, brother against brothers, you know, sister against sister. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> the worst soap opera you can imagine, you know, playing out right before your eyes. And, uh, you know, what you said is so true about the only way out of this thing is to be willing to lay down our lives. And people are waking up to that. Some are, fortunately. And that's scaring the enemy because Satan really fears, you know, a child of God which says, hey, I'm ready to sacrifice my life for Jesus Christ. Take my body. Just be a quicker way to glory. You know, it's just like... Well, it's in, a lot easier to die for the Lord than it is to live for the Lord. Mm. And okay. because, you know, particularly if you're in a circumstance where someone else has decided you're going to die for the Lord. They didn't ask you for whether you wanted to volunteer for the process. They've just decided that now it's your time. And... I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's easier than live for the Lord. But you know what, Omega Man? i got to tell you, um, it is a hard time. The enemy knows his time is short. He is, and you have to understand the strategy of the enemy. The enemy has one primary objective. He's trying to destroy the believers, particularly the man-child. 2,000 years ago... He was slaughtering the babies in Bethlehem because he was trying to destroy the Messiah. Today, he knows what the scriptures proclaim, and he is attempting to divide the church, turn the hearts of the many cold so that the love of many would grow cold. Because we've been called into the new covenant where the first commandment is that we love one another. Amen. And if the enemy can successfully frustrate our obedience in loving one another, he can basically render us fruitless. As Paul says, we become clanging cymbals. We can make a lot of noise, but it's kind of worthless, really. Because if it's not done by love and faith, then what is it? But the other thing is the enemy's trying to take out the man-child. You know, he won't succeed. He cannot succeed. But you know, they're insane anyway, so that's what they're doing. And 
and knowing the, the lateness of the hour, the, the attacks of the enemy are just relentless. And, and the temptations that are out there, I mean, the world is just sinking into in a, a pit of wickedness. You know, the, what's on TV and, and, and what's being said and, and what's in the newsprint and, you know, whatever, you know, everything that's happening in Babylon is just turning darker and darker. You know, brother, uh, and the devil has a lot in his arsenal to throw at us, doesn't he? I mean, as I've always said, Satan is diversified. He won't be able to get everybody the same way. You know, he'll try, uh, you know, maybe sex, gateway with some. Maybe it'll be pride. Maybe it'll be, uh, you know, fame, money. I was hit actually with a couple of those traps, and by the grace of God, I uh, got away by the skin of my teeth. I'll be honest with you. I, I praise Amen. God that he had mercy, because uh, it's taken down many men and women of God before. But um, my point is, is uh, there's a lot out there. And then there's even something called, I call it the time bandit. You know, uh, there's distractions that will come at us. Even maybe people right. that um, mean well, they'll call you and take up three hours of your time. And you sit yeah. back and you yeah. scratch your head and say, well, what what came out of that? What was fruitful about that conversation? And before you know it, your day's gone, and you say, wait a minute, I didn't even read the Word today. I didn't get much done. And you say, wow, another day's gone. And I, I believe that Satan is trying to run down the clock on the church and keep us in deception, keep us, you know, caught up in the barbed wire and everything else just, you know, tied up. And then the bell goes off, and it's game over. So we've got to be on guard I want to ask you something. Have you ever thought it interesting that, uh, you know, you and I here are sitting here talking right now. We've got the people listening live in the chat. We could have been born any time in the last 6,000 years. Let's say sit back, going back to Adam. Is it a coincidence, a chance, that uh, we were born in this, this hour, which I believe is the, uh, we're in the last hours of the end of this age, as it all wraps up? Well, Surely that can't be coincidence. What do you think? Well, no, I can tell you for certain that God is sovereign in all of his doings. And every person that is here alive on the planet tonight is here because God wants them here. And the day you're born and the day you die is the day decreed by the Lord. He is a sovereign king who rules over all of his creation. So there's no coincidence. And yes, we were all chosen to be part of this end-time move of God. And, you know, it, it's simply amazing what the Lord is doing. And we need to look up. You know, I know how hard it is. You know, dear listeners, I know a lot of people are struggling right now. People are struggling financially. They're struggling spiritually. People are are bound by various things. They, they haven't figured out how to break off their lives yet. People are dealing with the enemy accusing them that they're not worthy, that they're not saved. I mean, Satan will challenge anything that you open up to him to discuss. You know, if you don't stand on the scripture, he'll challenge everything. Uh, so you have to throw him and his lies right out the door, but he will challenge and accuse the brethren on any and every base. 
and pushing your buttons to see where he hits a hot one. But I know that people are going through, for many, some of the hardest times of their life right now. I know for myself I've been through some of the hardest fires I've ever endured. And I can honestly say, and I've been through some serious fire, um, 20, almost 30 years of fire, really. One fire after another. Um, You've seen a lot, haven't you? I've um, seen a lot, yeah. And Brooke, I can tell you that this time is about the hottest and most intense. But, you know, we get to a point where we just say, look, let's just be, let's just be candid here. Um, it's not our life anymore. We belong to another. We are actually somebody else's property. Yes. Did you know that? That if you're saved, um, you are actually the property of the Lord. He wow. bought you. He, he purchased you. You've been bought and paid for. And it's really the Lord's business what happens to you because he owns you and the lord is very clear in the scripture of what he what his objective is and how he operates with us and what he intends to do and the lord's objective is that you be holy and we're not a holy people this is the generation of his wrath we live among the generation of god's wrath it's in i think jeremiah 7 Oh. where the Lord refers to this generation, the generation of his judgment, as the generation of his wrath. These people, the wicked, were raised up for the wrath of God to be poured out in fullness upon them. And they have filled the cup of iniquity to the brim. And at the same time, he's calling out those that would come out from among them. And, you know, the, it says in the scripture that the righteous shall understand... This is in the book of Daniel, chapter 12. The angel is explaining to Daniel that the prophecies are sealed until the time of the end, which is precisely right now, because the prophecies are finally unsealed. And that the wicked will not understand, but the righteous shall understand. And so, you know, dear listener, if you understand, if you know the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty granted to you the mercy to understand and receive the word, and you know the prophetic word that's come forth, the Rima word that's ushering forth from the throne of heaven right now, warning the people of God to prepare their hearts for the soon visitation of the king, then you are in a very, very privileged group. Because the majority of the church is asleep and does not understand the scriptures, nor the true plan of the Lord, nor the lateness of the hour. And the world, you know, they don't have a clue. They think we evolved from a puddle of chemicals on the back of a crystal. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they are so lost. They've been deceived by Satan. He has taken them captive to do his will. But we have been purchased by Jesus. Amen. And God has taken possession of us with the purpose of doing his will. And his will is that we become holy vessels. Jesus said, be ye holy, even as your heavenly Father is holy. And how is the Father holy? The scripture proclaims, and then let me read it to you. I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 6, 
in the year that the king died, in the year that my life died, my self-will when I was the king of my life, in the year that I died to myself, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne and he was high and lifted up. And his train, his glory filled the temple. And above the glory of the Lord stood the seraphims with wings covering their faces. And they cried unto each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And we are to be holy as he is holy. And the anointed angels that were formed, fashioned by his hand to minister in his presence, cover their faces, unable to look upon the holiness of God as it manifests. And we are to be holy as God is holy. We are to become holy, holy, holy. And we are not a holy people. We have been living in a time of of the great falling away. The truth has fallen in the street. The gospel that's being preached is turned into a, a perversion of the the true covenant of Jesus Christ. It's not about Learjets and and thirty five thousand dollar dogs which wow. some of these guys bought and you know and I can buy a five thousand dollar pen and you know, they've made merchandise. Peter talks about it. They made merchandise of you. You know, true religion is is taking care of widows and orphans, not paying televangelists to fly around in Learjets. But, you know, the church has fallen. The world is falling into the deepest darkness ever. You know, the evil is literally coming out into the open. And for the most part, the church has fallen and, and has been comforted falsely you know, it talks about it in Scripture that, you know, Israel made a covenant with death in the natural, which is the Palestinian peace accord, where they agreed to compromise and to surrender land. They gave up ground. Well, the church made a similar covenant with the grave. When the church, when we agreed to compromise and we agreed to surrender ground, we gave land to the enemies of God in our heart. We gave ground up to the enemies of God. And we thought we could enter a covenant, a peace treaty. You know, we'll be a little in the world, you know. and But it'll be all right. But it's a deception, you know. This covenant can't cover us. It can't save us. Because it's a covenant with the grave. It's an error. You know, it says in Isaiah 28 that the people erred through wine and strong drink. The priest and the prophet of this people have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of the wine. They're out of the way. They're not in the narrow way. They're not walking in the ancient path. And as a result, they're erring in vision, and they've stumbled in judgment. They don't know the judgment of the Lord. And, you know, you'll hear them teach... You can stay in your sin as long as you believe in Jesus. You're going to be fine. No, you're not going to be fine. At a minimum, you're going to spend some serious time in the furnace of affliction. And you could go all the way to the point of 
finding out that you're one of the many that cries, Lord, Lord, and the Lord says, I never knew you. You didn't have my covenant. You weren't part of the everlasting covenant. You, you joined that covenant with the grave. Covenant with Sheol. And, they tried to sneak it over the wall, didn't they? Yeah, and then it goes on and it says the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so there's no place clean. And that's this hour. There's almost no place clean anymore. And then Isaiah goes on and he says, who, who shall I teach knowledge to? And to whom shall I share this understanding of the true doctrine? Those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, but precept must be upon precept. The word builds upon the word. And it's not our opinions that matter, folks. Let the scripture be the authority. Line upon line and line upon line, here a little and there a little. And with stammering lips and with another tongue I will speak to this people. And then he said, this is the rest wherewith you were called, the weary were called to rest, and this is their refreshing, but they would not hear. And the word of the Lord was unto them a precept upon precept, line upon line, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. And that is what's going on. The people that have not been truthful, that have not been honest, you know, that have been following the, the leaders that um, are out of the way, they're not walking in the, in the ancient path, they're not walking in the way of holiness, they're out of that way, they're, they're being swallowed up by the alcohol and the strong drink, they're erring in their vision, and they've stumbled in judgment. They do not even understand the judgment that's about to begin. Their tables are full of vomit and filthiness, and as a result, the people that are following them are falling backwards and are being broken and snared and taken. And then the Lord goes on and he says, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule my people, because you've made a covenant with death, and with hell you are in agreement. Yeah, this false apostasy actually, is doctrines of demons. Because you want to know why they teach you can continue in your sin. And Satan's like, yeah, I agree. Satan agrees. You can stay in your sin. Hell agrees. But it's all a big lie. God's called us to be perfect and not to stay in our sin. And the Lord goes on and he says, this covenant is going to be canceled. This agreement will not stand and the overflowing scourge, when it passes through, it will tread these people down. And the Lord will rise up as in Mount Perizim, and he'll be wroth in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. And the strange work and the strange act that the prophet speaks of is the judgment of the people of God in which God is going to purify his people by the spirit of burning. And it's a strange work because the Lord really does not like this work. This is his last option. When God runs out of all other options in dealing with his chosen ones, the last thing he resorts to is, is the furnace. Because he knows it's going, his people are going to suffer for a season in that furnace. But if that's the only way he can save us from our sin, hallelujah. Amen. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going in the fire. But we're not going to stay there long. But the Lord goes on and he says, Be not mockers, lest your bands be made stronger. For I've heard from the Lord a destruction, a consumption that's been determined upon the entire earth. So... 
But you know what's awesome? is The immediate next thing, the Lord's talking about the covenant with death, the people that are out of the way, you know, they've given up ground, thinking they were going to find a place of compromise with sin. And they're in agreement with hell. Hell's ready to compromise with you if you want to compromise with hell. But this covenant of compromise will not work. But the very next thing after the Lord says, okay, he's going to have to do his strange work to clean up that mess. The very next thing the prophet starts talking about is, does the plowman plow all day? Does he open up and break up the ground? Now he's talking about his remnant people. And he goes on and he says, you know, he casts in the principal wheat and the appointed barley. That's the anointed remnant, that barley corn. When you see the corn in the scripture, the Lord's talking about his anointed remnant. And then he goes on and he says, for the Lord instructs him in discretion and teaches him, teaches the farmer, who by example is a picture of the remnant. Verse 28, bread corn is bruised, but it will not be ever threshed nor will it be broken with the wheel of the cart, nor bruised with the horses. So the four horsemen, they're not going to trample the anointed corn. And the carts that are following, they're not the chariots of war that are going to come, they're not going to bruise the corn because it's been set aside for the master's purpose. Yes, the corn will go through a difficult process as well. You know, the corn has to fall to the ground and die or it will abide alone. It will not render fruit. But if the corn falls to the ground and dies, and let me tell you, that process of falling to the ground, that is not an easy, fun process. And when you hit the ground, it's an abrupt event in your life. And then you end up buried in the ground. And you you go through a time that can only be described as the dark night of the soul, where you're in the darkness, you're... The earth is covering you. God is hiding you in his hand. And, uh, you know, others could testify from their experience, but I can testify from mine. That is a tough place to be. It's lonely. Yes. It's cold. And the enemy is there to tell you, oh, God's forsaken you. You're just laying in the dirt. (laughs) You've been passed over. You're hidden in the ground. But you know what? The spring comes. The former and the latter-day rains come. The sun rises up, and, and as David proclaimed in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 23, on a day of clear shining, without clouds, the rain will come. And this life, this corn, is going to spring. It's going to explode out of the ground with Amen. the life of Jesus Christ. So, you know, even in Isaiah 28, where the Lord is dealing with the false covenant, and the compromise, and and just and he's telling us he's going to have to judge the people harshly in order to redeem them from this delusion. He then goes right into talking about his remnant and the corn, and and how, yeah, he does, you know, he does thresh the corn. There's a threshing, but it's not continual. It's not without limit because there's a point where God would have bruised you. You know, the Lord knows how far he can take us Yes. before we break, and he, he's not going to break us. So, But I want to go back to Isaiah 6. We are to be holy as our Father, our Heavenly Father is holy, and he is holy in all of his ways. And then Isaiah, in being shown this revelation, cries out, Woe is me, 
for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then a seraphim flew unto him with a live coal in his hand, taken with tongs from the fire that burns in the altar before the throne of the Lord in the heavens, and laid it upon his mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. You know, and what was that fire that was burned on the altar of heaven? What was burned? What was that sacrifice that was burned in the heavens that took away our sin? Jesus. Yes. He did that strange work. Nobody anticipated God dying for his people. I mean, I know the scripture proclaimed it, but 2,000 years ago, even when Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm going to die, they're like, no, no, no. No, he can't mean that literally. But the Lord is the sacrifice that was burned in that fire, and that coal that came out of that fire. The Lord's very life was consumed in that fire, and that is how he has saved us. That Benjamin. fire that burned in him, he wants it burning in us. Amen. And it's going to burn in us one way or another. You know, he's looking for that anointing. He's looking for that fire. But look what the Lord is saying. This fire will take away your iniquity. And then look in verse 8. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah responded, Here I am. Send me. And then he said, go and tell this people, hear, but understand not, and see, but perceive not, and make the heart of this people fat and their ears heavy. But to our listeners, you can hear, you see and perceive, and understand. Your hearts are not hardened. Your eyes have not been shut. Your ears are not closed. Because he says, lest they see and hear and understand with their hearts and repent and be healed. But the Lord has opened our eyes and he's opening our hearts. And if you want this fire to burn in you fast, that'll set a fire. That'll get a spark going. Fast and pray and seek the Lord and cry out and say, Father, I want to be holy. Even as you commanded me to be holy, And you are holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And when you're struggling with that issue in your life that you're unable to overcome, cry out to God and say, Lord, grant me the victory by your Spirit, not by my might nor my power, but by your Spirit. Grant me the victory through the power of the blood of Jesus and through the sacrifice that was burnt on the altar of God. The Lord, his body was burnt for our and we could become holy. And if, you know what? If you cry out and ask for God's holiness, if you ask for his redemption, if you ask for his salvation, and His, if you ask him to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from your iniquity, the scripture declares that he is faithful and just to do it. That you could come out from among this wicked generation who cannot see it cannot hear, and therefore do not repent and are not converted. And look at verse 11, what's going to happen next. Then Isaiah said, Lord, you know, what's next? How long? And the Lord answered, 
until the cities be wasted, destroyed, burned with fire, without inhabitant, and the houses without men, and the land utterly desolate. And the Lord has removed men far away from this wicked land, and there will be a great forsaking in the midst of this nation. But yet in it shall be a tenth, in it shall be a remnant, and they shall return, and shall be eaten as a teal tree, an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Omega Man, you were going to ask me a question. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, when you were saying that, I was thinking, uh, you know, when Jesus Christ came, Satan had no idea he was going to lay his life down. In fact, um, if he had known that uh, Christ, in laying his life down, would give you and I a chance to restore relationship with the Father, uh, they would have never uh, sent that squad out into the Gethsemane to take his life. And he totally blew the enemy away. And, you know, in, in this last hour, uh, there will be many that will have that same opportunity to lay their life down. And uh, once again, God's going to destroy Satan through his saints. There's going to be many of us folks that may be asked uh, to lay our life down for Christ. But uh, what choice do we have? You know, we've bought, been bought and paid for with a price. So if we're going to accept the gift of eternal salvation, you know, and that's what is required maybe in a, in a circumstance, then so be it. You step out of this body, you're in the presence of God. But uh, we have a, you know, we've got a choice. Either we're a bond servant of Christ or we're a servant of Satan. And if that's uh, what is required of us, then, you know, so be it. Um right. But uh, I think uh, Satan's going to be scratching his head one day and say, what do you mean? Uh, I'm, I'm going to take their head off, and uh, they're still saying, uh, praise Jesus? I just don't understand it. You know, Satan will never comprehend it. Well, you know, they're insane. Those beings, the, the spirits of darkness, they're spiritually insane. They've lost their minds. Or they would repent, even though there's no forgiveness for them. They would still surrender to the Lord, but they're insane, so they continue to go forward. You know, the very evil of their nature has corrupted them, that, that that's all they are and that's all they can be is evil. And, you know, whether they knew of the planned crucifixion, I suspect they probably did know, because Jesus declared it openly. And it's actually in the prophecies. But I just think they couldn't, you know, they, they can't do anything but persecute the truth. You know, all of the enemy's persecutions against the church, all they've ever achieved is a purity in the church that makes the message that much more powerful. But they can't help themselves but persecute the light because it's their nature. You know, the, the enemy can't stop lying because that's what they are, is the lie. So, but, you know, you're Satan's right that you know we have to recognize that we're going to lose our lives. It's just a question of how. We can lose them daily. You know, Paul talked about, I die daily. Yes. We can lose them daily and make a conscious decision to turn off the things of Babylon and start diligently seeking the Lord in prayer with our families and 
in fasting and prayer and crying out to God for his mercy and for the power to surrender our life, to literally come into submission to the will of the Father and begin to walk in that, um, and we can then entertain his life, or we can go through that process with the assistance of the fire of the Great Tribulation. And I think all of us probably need a little bit of both. And this tribulation that's coming, you know, it's going to bring everybody to a level of repentance that we can't comprehend. Brother, in the, uh, in the furnace of affliction, there is no fence where you can straddle it anymore, is there? No, there, there isn't. And, but, you know, I know from my own experience, looking at all, you know, with an understanding of what's coming upon the nation and the world, in my own mind, I can become fearful at times, or concerned, or anxious, or I can want to respond in the flesh. It's a natural thing to do. Well, and brother, I know it's, many, uh, many other people. Pardon? It's very understandable, too, considering the fact that uh, God actually gave you a glimpse of the future. Uh, around about the time of your 40th birthday, didn't he? Yeah, I, I've actually seen the day of the Lord, part of it. I was there, I did that, and um, it broke me. I, I was broken by the day of the Lord. And the Lord even even spoke to me and told me that I had experienced the day of the Lord. Wow. And for seven days I wept and, and trembled. And if, if I even tried to talk about it, I'd fall on the ground weeping. I could not even stand up. I literally would fall down. And wow. the Lord told me that every soul on earth is going to experience what I experienced. And, <laughs> you know, I, I can't even describe it other than to say it empties us. The Lord takes us, I mean, he pours us out totally and he brings you to a point where you repent from the bottom of your heart and the repentance was so pure it was so holy it felt so good and when the fire of this affliction has brought us to the point of that total repentance the Lord pours out his anointing and he blesses his people in the midst of these events and it was the most awesome, powerful thing I've ever experienced in my life. But the day of the Lord is real, and it's no joke. It is the biggest thing to ever happen on this planet, and it's going to try every soul. But those of us that belong to the Lord, it's going to bring us to a point where there's no more pretense in us. We are not pretending to repent. There are no hidden agendas. We don't have a little uh, issue of, bitterness that we're holding on to, that we've, we've denied, we've buried it. You know, We don't have any disassociation disorders where part of our memory and part of our heart is a little bit fractured. And we've either got some repressed feelings that we'd rather deny, but they're in there. And those are the buttons the enemy can push. You know, the, This fire that's coming, it's going to burn all those walls down inside of us. Yes. And it's going to hollow us out. And it's going to take us to the end of ourselves. And, and it's going to take us to a place of total repentance. And when God's people get 
to the place of total repentance, and they seek the Lord with all their hearts. Heaven answers quickly. Because the Lord hasn't changed. He's still the tender God of rich, immeasurable mercy. He still loves his people more than and, and certainly any of us understand today. And he is looking for the opportunity to save his people. Amen. But, you know, um, if we've got that pretense and we've got that false covenant inside of us, uh, we leave the Lord no choice but to do the strange work, then he's going to do the strange work. But, you know, praise God, he, that's not even going to last that long. I mean, we're talking a few days here, folks. This fire that comes down is only going to last for ten days, at which point we will all have totally repented. But, you know, the Lord admonishes us. That's the reason for the the, the scriptural commandment that we fast and pray in this hour. Fasting is a form of bringing the fire and bringing the judgment on your own life. Wow. Yes, you're judging your flesh. You judge it as wanting, deficient, and you're going to bring it to the cross. Because you know, those of you that have fasted, you, you understand, it's hard. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. a little bit. I mean, it's not a zero effort endeavor. It it burns a little. You know, you get to a point, and especially if you've done several days. You know, if you've done a 10-day fast, or I know some people have gone all the way to 40 days, but, wow, you know, if you've done a 10-day or longer fast, you know, you get out there a few days and you legitimately um, are hungry. And, but I'll tell you something, the flesh loses its power, and your spirit man comes alive, and your vision gets clearer. It's almost like your eyesight goes HD. Do <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Omega yeah. Man, when you've been oh, on yeah. a couple-day fast? How the vision gets so much clearer? Yes. And, you know, you open the scriptures, and, oh, man, the word is like a... The whole book is a rima word. And when you call on the name of the Lord, and you lift your hands, and you praise Jesus, and, and you cry out to the Father, the anointing is is strong, and so, I mean, fasting is so important, and, you know, I get the impression, I don't know for sure, but I, it is my opinion. I could be wrong, I hope I'm wrong, but it's my opinion that not a lot of people are fasting anymore. Brother, and, nobody talks you know, about it anymore. Well, and there's a lot of opposition. I mean, Satan does not want you fasting in prayer, because, you know, in fasting and prayer, you can break any stronghold. I mean, Jesus himself told us, there are certain satanic strongholds that can only be broken through fasting and prayer. Prayer alone is not going to do it, folks. You know, and the disciples came back and said, you know, well, why can't we get the victory? We, you sent us out, you gave us the power, you gave us the authority, we believed you, and yet we ran into a brick wall. And the Lord told them, well, because of unbelief, and this kind only comes out by fasting and prayer. And see, the disciples weren't fasting. Now, Jesus... He was fasted up. I mean, before the Lord even began his ministry, he fasted 40 days before he was even baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he was God. And, you know, from the scriptures, we know that the Lord retreated into the wilderness by himself for times of fasting and prayer throughout his ministry. So, if Jesus Christ, who is 
our example and who is God and who was without sin if the Father in his perfect will led Jesus to fast and pray. How much more should we, who the Lord called to follow him, also be fasting and praying? How much more? Brother, I'll tell you, I would like to be set free of some demonic spirits. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you, I need still need deliverance. You get well, I think excited tonight. everybody does in some degree, because we you know what, when you're walking in the fullness of the anointing, if there's nothing, if the enemy has no ground at all in your life, and you're walking in the fullness of the anointing in the very presence of God, the building shakes when you walk in it. Not the people. The building. Brother, I want more scales to drop on my eyes. I think I'm going to have to fast. you got me excited now. Well, amen, because you know what? While you're fasting, you can then also offer the sacrifice of the new covenant, which is the sacrifice of praise, continually. You know, and, and I'm, I'm not talking about denial theology, folks. Look, if you hit your thumb with a hammer, it hurts, okay? If bad things happen to you, they hurt. But in the context of, you know, and, and probably the worst thing that can happen to you in your life is for God to give you your way. And the Lord let you have your choice. And God allow you to produce, to, to develop your inventions. The Lord lets you go with your bright idea. And then he lets you reap the fruit of it. And you will be suffering. And God will leave you in your bright idea until you figure out you don't want your bright ideas anymore. And so you can be, you know, believers go through some pretty hard stuff on the road to heaven. But in the midst of it, you're not rejoicing because you're suffering. You are glorifying God because you know faithful is he that has called you. He will do it. He's going to bring us out of these hardships. He's going to bring you out of this trial. He's guaranteed to bring you deliverance. You may not have it today, but the scripture says you are for sure going to possess it in the future. And so by faith, you are looking forward to God's promises being fulfilled and God's precious blessings being received in your life. And you're thanking the Lord for what he's going to do, even in the midst of circumstances that may be very, very difficult for you in the here and now. Rather than giving, you know, voice to the murmuring or complaining yes. or speaking unbelief and death into your current circumstances just looking at the temporal and proclaiming it as your truth and your destiny which you know the scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue it's no joke folks you know this, you have a creative power that was given to you by God because you were created in the image of God, and that creative power is in your words. Yes. Just as God created everything through the word that he spoke, you are creating the spiritual atmosphere in your life through the words that you're speaking. 
And the scripture says, if any man speak, let him speak as an oracle of God. And an oracle is an infallible, perfect witness. So basically the Lord is saying, if you're going to open your mouth, what you say better be perfectly in accordance with the Word of God. And if it's not, you probably ought to just keep silent. So, you know, it's this is really serious. I find this is probably one of the hardest things to do because we live in such a world that does the opposite. But I find it, you know, it's so important that you speak life and faith in your words. And I'm not talking denial theology. I mean, if you're if your leg's broken, I'm not saying, you know, oh, my leg's fine. Oh, thank you, Lord, my leg's fine. Until the Lord actually heals your leg, if it's broken, okay, you've got a broken leg. And you're not thanking the Lord that necessarily that your leg is broke, but you can thank the Lord that he's come to heal you. And regardless of how long it takes you to have your whatever wound you're carrying or whatever trial you're bearing, whatever burden or yoke you're under, However long it takes for the Lord to deliver you, he has promised one day he's going to deliver you. I mean, just like the the Israelites 3,500 years ago, under the bondage of slavery in Egypt, were looking to the promise of a deliverer, we too are under the bondage of slavery to the sin choices we've all made in this world and to the consequences of sin that all of us have endured. And it may not even be our own sin. There are generational curses. There are curses that come upon the land from the acts of others. There's the curse that's come through the whole bloodline of humanity from the Adamic actions. I mean, all these curses have been operating. We're under the yoke of this junk, and it's buffeted every one of us, but we are rejoicing in the salvation God has promised, in the midst of it. We are glorifying the Lord in the fire because we know he's going to pull us out of the fire. And in in eternity, we're going to be in his presence and we're going to experience the fullness of joy, which is to know him. And so, you know, it's like that brother um, Richard Wombrand started a very powerful international ministry. He was in a Romanian... Uh, slave labor camp, I think for 12 years, and and his wife was there. They they were in different camps, but they were both arrested for for sharing the gospel in Romania. And the prisoners used to greet each other in the morning, and they would say, "Let us give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever." I mean, they're waking up in a prisoner in a slave labor camp. They're marching off in their bare feet to go to work for 14, 16 hours in a rock quarry, cutting stones and carrying stones. They don't have shoes. They don't have gloves. It's 40 degrees outside. They don't have a jacket. And they didn't eat very well last night. That bowl of rice and maggots just wasn't quite enough protein and nutrition. They're slowly starving to death. They're suffering in every imaginable way. And what do they say? Let's give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. At the moment, they were suffering untold sorrows, but they were looking in the eyes of faith and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, 
and his mercy does endure forever. The sorrow and the suffering that teaches us obedience is just for a moment, is for a brief, short moment, and we will be we will be held up in the everlasting arms and brought into the everlasting kingdom. And we're going to give thanks to the Lord for that. And You know, Wormbrandt, they tortured him. And he loved them back. It's incomprehensible how this man could do it. But he loved them back, and, and it made them matter. And they tortured him all the worse. And at one point, he was, and they were putting drugs in his food. He couldn't even think straight. And he was losing his mind, and in prayer he was saying, you know, he knew he didn't even know how to pray anymore because he couldn't put a thought together in his mind and and he beaten and bloodied in solitary confinement, starving to death in the cold with open wounds. He All he could do is say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And the Lord came and physically came into that prison cell and cleaned his wounds and ministered to him. And he... I heard him talk about it. He said the the walls of the prison just melted away. And he was in heaven. And Jesus came and, and cleaned his wounds. But you know, Jesus didn't get him out of that prison for several more years. And then he was miraculously delivered. The Lord left him in that fire. The Lord left him in that trouble. But the Lord came and ministered to him. You know, I don't know why suffering is required for us to learn at the heartfelt level to come out of the pretense and to learn true obedience to the Lord. I don't know why, but the scripture declares that that's the case, and and so it is. But I do know that that's the reality, and that's the reason why the prayer and fasting is so important you know it's you got to do the time you know you can do it now on your own schedule voluntarily you can voluntarily put the judgment on your life you can voluntarily fast you can voluntarily offer the sacrifice of praise continually and you can seek the lord with your whole heart and you can ask him to search you to search your heart and to discover for you the pretenses that are in all of us or you can let the Lord, you know, you you can make the Lord do it. And if you don't want to do it, you know, the Lord will ultimately do it in you. And he calls it his strange work. And he doesn't like doing it, you know, any more than you like it. You know, it's kind of like the father that has to spank the son. And, and the father says, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And the truth is, it, it probably does hurt our father God more than it's going to hurt us. But he is determined to have a holy people. We get to decide you know, the process. We get a vote. We get a choice on, on what kind of process is necessary for us to become holy. Amen. And so, hallelujah, you know. And you gave me a flashback. <laughs> I remember when my dad used to uh, spank me, and I would start screaming before the bell even hit my skin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, there's, well, a, there's a lot of people father, in the chat room right father now. Our Father who judges us does it with mercy. You know, it says yes. in the Scripture that in judgment He remembers mercy. So, 
Amen. You know, even when he's judging the sin in our life, he does not give us what we deserve. He just spanks our us a little bit. You know, when I when I was um, having small kids, I had a couple boys and, and I had a daughter, and those boys were defiant. Man, I had to. Each of them got a real serious spanking at least once in their life. That was about enough. But you know, that would light my that would light my hand on fire. But my daughter, you know, I think I only spanked her one time, and I'm telling you. It was probably a little love tap. Oh, my, she just broke down in tears because she'd seen her brothers, you know. It was the anticipation. She never really ever got spanked, but she thought she did, and now maybe it's going to be that way with some of us. You know, the, the anticipation of what's about to happen is is a harder thing than what we're actually fixing to go through. But, you know, we are going to come out the other side holy, and, you know... I just want to encourage everybody, God's faithful. You know, rejoice in the Lord. Give thanks. This is the day that he made. We didn't just end up here by accident. It's not a coincidence that you're here. It's not a coincidence or an accident that you can see and understand. And God is faithful who called you. He will do it. Because God is actually going to be sending people uh, through this time to, to do ministry work. Is that not right? Oh, absolutely. The greatest harvest ever is about to begin. Absolutely. I mean, yes, uh, there there are concentration camp folks. There's going to be uh, a rise of Islam, uh, you know, with their modus operandi to take your head off if they can. Um, they're going to be um, nuclear, biological, chemical attacks all over the world. But uh, by the same token, God has work uh, to be completed during this time. And it says, my people will do exploits. Amen. So um, my thinking is, you know, Jesus says, watch and pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. Now, you know, if he has ordained us to uh, go into captivity, into captivity you'll go. You pick up the sword, you'll die by the sword, folks. And there are some that are going to lose their heads, many. And I believe there are some that will remain to see Jesus return. You know, he knows best. But um, if we'll remain faithful to our end, whatever that end is, we'll make it. Make it to heaven, but uh, you know, I was thinking if if a person wanted to say, yeah, I'd like to be one of those that was around to the last trumpet and saw Jesus return, you know, there'd be very few men probably alive at that point in time. It doesn't say men will be scarcer than the gold of Ophir. Oh yes, it does. And uh, the day of the Lord is not something that uh, we want to we want to hasten. That'll be a terrible day, won't it? Uh, it's going to be a rough one. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a rough one, definitely. But where I'm going with this is if you had any uh, chance to make it to the end, your best job is doing something for God, and God maybe says, hey, wait a minute, they weren't sitting on the sidelines. They were actually crucifying their flesh, fasting, praying, asking God, asking me what I could do for, for my kingdom. And uh, maybe God will say, hey, I think I'll keep him or her around a little bit longer. They're actually useful to me. Maybe they don't need to go to summer school in the uh, in the camp with the uh, with the blowtorch and the scrub brush. Well, and or you know the scripture says that the righteous perish and none understand that the Lord removes them before the day of evil. I mean, there are oh. believers. Uh, I've got a, a dear friend. Um, his name is Frank, and he and he had a beautiful wife, Margaret. And this woman was a woman of God, and we actually. Um, 
got together a couple of times with believers from all over the country, and we had a solemn assembly where we fasted and prayed, and Frank and Margaret came for an entire weekend of prayer uh, trying to fulfill the commandment in the book of Joel to gather together in a solemn assembly. And I, I got together with Frank and Margaret, and Margaret was a godly woman. She just went on to be with the Lord just recently after a long, difficult illness. And this Brother was a godly woman. I mean, she was a holy woman. She had a journal, 400-something pages of her walk wow. with the Holy Spirit and the things the Lord said to her. And, and, I mean, she was a holy woman, and yet she went through a fire, and now she's out of here. Man, and, I'm looking you know, at some the of the people. That... Blessed are those yes. that die in the Lord, you know, from this time forward. I mean, actually... You know, everybody wants to get to the end of the tribulation like it's some kind of like, uh, I don't know, a game or something. Um, but the scripture actually says, blessed are those that die in the Lord from this time. There's going to come a point in the tribulation where if you're not part of that remnant that will be there all the way at the end, you actually want out earlier. Yeah. And so, Well, that would be a bad thing. Uh. You know, my mom, my own mother died uh, just about a year ago and, you know, I knew that my mom loved the Lord. I mean, at her funeral service, the preacher that got up basically said, and my mom's name was Anne, he basically said, Anne was a hardcore Christian. And she was hardcore. And then he just went down a list of, she visited the sick, she went to prisons and preached the gospel, she donated, you know, she did this, she did that. My mom was a prayer warrior on her knees daily. And, you know, the preacher stood up and said, Anne was a hardcore Christian. If she did not get saved, we are all doomed. And, and it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke because my mom loved the Lord. And, you know, I'm sure one of the reasons I'm even here today because I was such a knucklehead when I was a teenager and a young adult. You know, my mom prayed me into the kingdom, and but the Lord Praise took God. her off the planet. And I knew in my spirit years ago that she could not handle to see what we are about to see. She just wasn't made for it. Man, my you know, dad slipped out, the too. Lord, and there's no way the Lord was going to put her through it. And that's happening to a lot of believers, <laughs> that the Lord's just like, no, they're not going through this. They, but my mom, her last several years of her life, her health failed. She was in incredible pain. In the last six months, she was praying to die. And this is a woman that walked in holiness and you know was a hardcore Christian, and she went out with tremendous suffering. So, you know, we just need to accept that we've all been called to carry the cross. Benjamin, and, we've got uh, some questions just coming in rapid pace here in the chat room. I even see the phone lines lighting up. Uh, we have about 30 minutes remaining. Would you be willing to take a couple calls? Uh, sure. And let me uh, let me take a question from the chat room. It says, uh, Benjamin, um, how long do you recommend a person fast for? Any advice? Well, I do recommend, if you've never fasted, that you do something to prepare for your fast. In terms of, I would eat healthy 
for maybe a day or a couple days. And you should know what that means. And also, you might want to do like some kind of fiber drink or a ball tone or, or something to really get your system cleaned out. You know, you don't go from junk food and soda pop and all that garbage and then fast the next day. I mean, you can, but that's not really the best way to do it. So you got to prepare. Um, you'll be a lot better off. And then I would probably start out with a, a one-day fast. But do whatever the Spirit leads you to do. But, you know, the day in the Scripture, um, the evening and the morning were the first day, I would typically encourage people, fast from sundown to sundown. So before the sun goes down, have a light meal as your final meal, and then as the sun goes down, you begin your fast, and whether you want to go one day or three or seven. But I can tell you, if you go beyond seven days, there's medical reasons that I, we don't have time to get into tonight that um, you would not want to end the fast on a multiple of the number seven. So, you know, if you're going to go fast seven days, you should probably do ten. And if you're going to go to 14, then go to at least 16 or 17. Wow. And the reason is there's a seven-day Sabbath cycle that is also part of your health. And every seven days, your body goes through a healing crisis. And you wouldn't want to break your fast on on the seventh day or a multiple of the seven. So like a 40-day fast, you wouldn't want to go 42 days. The reason why a 40-day fast stops at 40 is it's not 42 so, um, but, you know, however you feel led. Now, I know some people talk about, you know, fasting from TV. Okay, well, you know, I say shoot the TV, but, <laughs> or turn it off, or, you know, but, you know, right. great. If you want to fast from television, you know, I'm fasting from candy. You know, you ought to probably get rid of the candy anyway. There is a Daniel fast where he just ate vegetables, no meat, no bread, no cake, no chips. None of that stuff, just green leafy vegetables and fruits for 21 days. And that's a powerful fast. Um, And if you've never fasted before, that's a good one, too. That may not sound that hard, but let me tell you, you know, 10 to 15 days into that fast, that is a really good fast. And also extremely healthy, particularly if you are very toxic. And if you're an American um, and you live in one of our polluted cities, Yes. And you've been eating American food, you're probably pretty toxic unless you've been doing a lot of detoxing. Brother, I know I am. I'm carrying around a hard times pack. I think I could live an extra six weeks with my well, belly. Well, fasting is really good for uh, improving your health, improving your mental outlook. It'll remove depression from your life. It'll make the scriptures come alive. I mean, you know, the Lord tells us in the book of Joel, go go read Joel for for, you know, as a homework assignment from today's show, read the book of Joel and look at how many times the Lord commands fasting in the last day. For the people that see the day of the Lord coming upon them, the the commandment of the Lord, God's recommendation for this hour, if you want to survive and endure what is about to happen, is to begin and fast and pray and seek Him with all your might. Isaiah 58, you know, is this not the fast I've chosen to break the bonds of wickedness? Amen. Set the captives free? So praise yeah. God. Uh, we've got a call here. Let's go to the lines. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Omega Man Radio. We've got special guest Benjamin Brook tonight. And if you did not catch it from the beginning, when the show's over, it will go into MP3. So I encourage you to download it. Caller, you're on the line with Benjamin Brook. 
Hey, uh, Benjamin, this is Peter. Uh, hi, Shannon. Hey, Peter, how are you tonight, my friend? <laughs> Pretty good. I uh, wanted to remind Benjamin that he was talking about a neutron star in the belt of Orion, and he was on um, Nathan Gilliel's Watchman Cry, I think, in December and again in February. Did you hear anything new? And uh, what is it, Benjamin? I'm curious to know. Um, yeah, I did do those shows, and that was based on um, information that I received from a couple of uh, physicists who worked with um, you know, NASA and, and other agencies, so guys that knew what they were talking about. Um, I don't have any you know, current information other than everything that we're seeing in terms of global climate change and um, the, the changes in the Earth are consistent with in fact, yes, there there appears to be external energy affecting the solar system uh, emanating from what scientists believe to be a neutron star approximately um, 1,300 light years from the Earth in the vicinity of the Orion constellation. And, you know, when you look at all the things in the Book of Revelation, it would sort of be consistent that the Lord would have created some alternative or some extra... Uh, ordinary energy sources to drive some of the physics and the science of the book of Revelation. But anyway, yeah, it's real, or at least the scientists I've talked to are absolutely convinced it's real. And uh, there has been a group of Spanish astronomers um, discussing this on a forum, and is it the same um, body it is that NASA calls G1.9 plus 0.3. Can you confirm that it's that object that your uh, science advisors were talking about? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I could, you know, I certainly can send them an email. If you would shoot me an email or fire one off to Omega Man, I could ask that question. I don't know. You know, I okay, sort of... Okay, I'll uh, call you, Benjamin. Yeah, well, go ahead and do that. I mean, if you want to know, I'll ask these guys and... Um, they have sent me a few emails over the last few months saying, you know, this is beginning to hit the news because this information was not really public that was shared with me. But bits and pieces of it are appearing in the news. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if they're accurate, and, you know, bear in mind, that was not a prophetic report. That was a science report. Um, and I'm not a, a physicist or a Ph.D. in physics. And... Could some of the data that was presented to me be, in fact, proved later to be incorrect? Sure, yeah. Um, but the only reason I brought that report was it was sure consistent with the book of Revelation. And I know from the Spirit, the book of Revelation is about to begin, so they, they seem consistent. And that's why I shared that report. And the greatest concern of the science advisors was uh, that we lose the power grid. Is that uh, correct? Well, that was one of the concerns also that the uh, earth changes are going to be so dramatic with, you know, storms and earthquakes and earth changes on a magnitude we've never seen before are coming over the next seven or eight years was their conclusion. Only one of which, one of the risks being a solar storm that could very easily take out the electric grid. And the fear there was, the magnetic field around the Earth is weakening, so a really large solar flare with a lower magnetic field could do more damage than the one in 1859, which set all the telegraph lines on fire. 
you know, a similar solar event today would pretty well take out the grid. And, you know, the magnetic field around the Earth is a lot weaker than it was in 1859. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, the scripture does say that the kingdom of the beast will be thrown into darkness, which means the grid goes down at some point on the beast system. You know, I mean, darkness is definitely coming upon the Earth. Well, I hope so, you get thanks. in touch with your friends again and um, maybe do an update with um, Nathan Liel. Do if a part three. Any, if, yeah, if there's anything to update, I'd be happy to do that. No problem. Thanks for calling in, Peter. God bless you, my friend. All right. All right, we're on the air live with Benjamin Brook. If you have a call for Benjamin, the uh, the number is 917-889-2745. Benjamin, we have a question that's come out of the chat room by uh, Manchild Minister, is her name. She says, uh, we understand you're in, you work in the uh, financial world. Have you received any recent updates from any of your contacts uh, regarding um, the crash of the dollar and maybe this new economic unit they've been talking about in the news? Well, yeah, I'm constantly getting new information and new um, perspectives on the financial system. And um, to kind of summarize, well, the the economic recovery is, you know, basically kind of um, exhausted itself, such as it was. We never really recovered in terms of jobs. And all the bailout plans and all the stimulus money, Yeah, I mean, it helped a little, but at a cost that was tremendous. It's basically pushed the country to the verge of bankruptcy. And I liken it to um, trying to stimulate the economy by building a bridge to nowhere or by repaving the road to ruin, which really should be called the highway to hell. Yes. Because all the stimulus money has just painted America into a corner and set us up for a total an absolute total financial collapse. And some of the top people on, you know, around the world who are a lot smarter than I am about this stuff think that within the next six months, you know, maybe a few of these guys would give us maybe 12 more months at the absolute latest before the bottom drops out of the dollar. And, you know, we're talking um, severe devaluation, And that is going to wreak havoc on the financial system because it's going to shock the housing market. You know, it'll get hit yet again. The stock market will likely crash. The bond market will crash. The dollar will crash. And, you know, I just go back to what the Lord showed me, which was that he was bringing about the destruction of the fortress of imagination, which is the economy. So, you know, God said he's going to totally destroy it um, and some of the From everything I'm seeing, it appears that that destruction will occur within the next 12 months. But I stress the word appears. Uh, It could certainly happen far sooner. Uh, Some people are talking about November as potentially having some events that could really shake the world. And so we won't have to wait very long. I mean, time's flying, guys. Yeah. And uh, the next 12 months will probably be here sooner than we think. Yeah, man, I look back, and the last six months has been almost like a blur. It's been going at breakneck speed. Oh, I know. The summer just flew by. And and now, like Jeremiah, we can say the summer has ended. And are we saved? 
Did you, you know? notice that the uh, price of uh, gold and silver just broke an all-time high? Yeah, I've been watching gold, and you know, gold is the canary in the coal mine. As gold continues to move higher, that tells you there's real trouble underfoot in the um, in the currency markets. And you know, I get one report that I find particularly interesting. Um, it comes out of Europe. It's known as the Leap Report, and they had a, the, the uh, September issue um, just came out, and it, it's it was particularly insightful. Um, that well, here let me just read just a little bit. Yes, um, we just got a couple minutes left. I'll I'll just make take a few quotes out of this report. Uh, this comes from the European Anticipation Bulletin, uh, September 16, 2010. So that's pretty current. Um, the coming months will reveal the painful reality that the United States has never come out of recession. The positive statistics recorded since the summer of 2009 have only been the short-lived consequence of massive injections of liquidity into a system which is essentially insolvent, just like the American consumer. At the heart of the global crisis, and since its inception, the United States is, in the coming months, going to demonstrate once again that it's leading the world economy into the heart of darkness because it cannot avoid the very Great Depression. And How high do you think gold say, will go? Uh, pardon? Uh, we got questions coming in the chat room. says, how high do you think gold will go before it's over with? You know, does it make any difference measured in dollars, which will become worthless? I mean, dollars will be um, like Confederate money, ultimately. I think an ounce of gold will always be worth an ounce of gold. In dollar terms, I would say six to $8,000 appears very wow. easily achievable. Yes. But what you're saying is that dollars are meaningless. I have a $50 trillion note in my wallet from Zimbabwe. Wow. Okay. It's worth 20 cents. So what's the price of gold in Zimbabwe money? I mean, it's a quadrillion, zillion, trillion, you know. It means nothing. The unit of measure becomes irrelevant. Um, the LEAP report goes on saying that the U.S. is facing unprecedented chaos and a change in the economic and social order forever in 2011. And that the coming quarters, which means, you know, the next couple six to nine months, will be particularly dangerous for the world financial and economic system. So, you know, it's it's really upon us. The housing market continues to disintegrate. Uh, you know, the U.S. consumer is not coming back. The United States is being hit with a double whammy, no equity. The equity in people's house, which is really their largest asset, is being destroyed. And there are no jobs. You've got 40 million people on food stamps. You know, this economy Man, is literally falling apart underneath us. And, you know, this Tea Party, I mean, you know, God bless these people. I'm, you know, I like what they stand for in terms of positions on issues. Um, you know, it's a breath of fresh air, but, you know, will it make any difference? To me, it reminds me of Alice in Wonderland and everybody going to the Tea Party and the Mad Hatter. You know, this is... America in Wonderland. There's no political solution to the judgment of God. Um, not even a Tea Party is going to stop the destruction of this economy because the Lord's doing it. Um, you know, the bulk of the U.S. economy now depends on 
public funding from the government, which, you know, if you think about it, it's absolutely incredible. The real estate market, the, the government's paying for all the mortgages. The auto industry is owned by the government. The defense industry, the agricultural industry, all of the banking industry are all being supported by federal money. And the federal government doesn't have any money. They're just printing paper. So, you know, the cities of America are threatening to lay off 500,000 more employees in the coming months because of their own budget problems. So, you know, you know if, if you ahead. look at the example of uh, in Joseph's time when he was second command of Egypt and they had the uh, the famine across the known world at that time, maybe across the planet, I just don't know. I know it was pretty widespread, but, um, you know, what happened? People came up and they were trying to buy uh, food with with gold, Whatever. silver, and then they ran out of that, and then they started trading in their cattle, and then ultimately they had to give themselves into slavery. Yeah, they and ultimately I, became slaves. I think that that's kind of a, um, a foreshadow of the, the end of America. Ultimately, they want well, to put us all into slavery here. Yeah, ultimately, and that that is kind of the plan that they have. They call it a new world order, and it's really the uh, feudal system from the Dark Ages, so it's not new at all. Um We've got another call that's come in. Oh, okay. Caller, you're on the air with Benjamin Baruch. Brother Shannon, Michael, Salt Ministries, how are you doing? Michael, how are you, my friend? Pretty good. Brother Baruch, i got a question. Uh, How would you uh, uh, recommend God's people preparing for the times that are coming and we all know are coming? So that would be my question. How how should they prepare? Mm -hmm. Was that the question? Yes, sir. Yes. Well... You know, I don't know that there's one size fits all in terms of preparation because some people are called to different purposes. Some people are leaving the country. Other people are building a a refuge. And so you've got to do what the Lord would lead you to do. But, you know, we were told it would be like the days of Noah, and Noah prepared and built an ark. So, you know, seek the Lord and what kind of ark you should build. I think your analogy, Omega Man, that... Um, the time of Joseph was also a prophetic picture, storing grain. You know, food is going to be worth more than gold before we're done. So, you know, getting out of debt, you know, because the Scripture says that the debtor will become a slave to the creditor, and that's certainly what's been planned in this system. If you can get out of debt, do. Um, You know, do whatever you can to be wise. Um, But ultimately... The real preparation that is most important is spiritual, because if you have no visible means of preparing, you just, you know, your circumstances are such, you don't have the ability to buy food or to do this, or you don't own any gold, you know, the price of gold is meaningless to you. The most important thing in this hour is that you be walking with the Lord, and He is able to deliver you. Um, And He's got other people that are preparing and they no doubt will be, they're preparing to take care of God's people. So I wouldn't be concerned at all if I didn't have any um, financial capacity to prepare. Then the Lord doesn't want you preparing financially. So prepare spiritually in terms of uh, seeking God and fasting and prayer and, and, you know, do the part that you can do. Amen. Amen. Does, does that answer your question? Yes, it does, brother. Yeah, I mean, I would say rejoice, you know, because i got to tell you, I had a, a dream a while back. I was with a bunch of believers, and everybody had prepared. 
and I was with six or seven other people in this dream, and we'd all prepared, you know, however we felt we should. And then this thing started, and everybody's preparations were totally worthless. You know, that was just a dream that I had, but I think it was the Lord kind of, you know, trying to impress on me, hey, don't make such a big deal out of, you know, how to prepare. Don't worry about that so much as, as seek to get close to the Lord and get ready spiritually. Because that's going to be far more important. If you're ready spiritually, then the the physical, the natural, would take care of itself. If you're not ready spiritually, it doesn't matter what you've done in the natural. It's not going to be adequate, I think, was the message of that dream. Yeah, and that truth, it would be all in vain at that point in time. Yeah, this is the judgment of God. I mean, you know, you could you could go buy, you know, one of those... Those um, underground survival retreats that used to be missile silos. Um, and, uh, seems like it's you know an impenetrable fortress. But if God's decreed judgment on your life, you drop dead from a heart attack in your in your bunker. I mean, you know. So what's the point? You got to get close to the Lord. This is this is His judgment day. You know. So, but at the same time, if you've got if you're sitting on millions of dollars, I would seek God about what he wants you to do with what is his money. And I would strongly suggest giving a big chunk of it to widows and orphans and blessing yes. the poor in Israel um, and, you know, doing what you can in terms of relief while money still buys something because the Scripture says that those who give to the poor, and I'm not talking about the people that are poor stewards or people that are, are you know, walking in lives of disorder, I'm talking about widows and orphans who have a legitimate scriptural basis to be supported by the body. You know, helping those people is lending to the Lord. And, you know, one good way to prepare is to lend to the Lord. Yeah, I would agree with you. That's uh, that's a great investment plan. It says that he that lends to the poor is lent to God, and God will repay. And so, uh, you know, God is not a man that he can lie. You know, he watches over his word to performance, so... I definitely believe right. in that, and, uh, you know, I've always well, said... The, you um, know, Shannon, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if yes. you are investing in God's kingdom by, you know, really doing what the Lord would have you to do, um, they can't steal that gold. Amen. You're not going to lose that reward. But, you know, if you go out and buy a bunch of gold, that could be taken from you in one day. Oh, yeah. You put all your money in some foreign bank account, that bank can drop... You know, they can close the doors and say goodbye. I mean, this thing is going to be destroyed. I don't know how else to put it. This system of this system of a fortress of imagination, this financial fortress that these these vehicles represent, all of our lives they've represented wealth and safety and security, but it's all Babylon. It is coming apart at the seams. None of it's going to be there. And so, you know, if you're blessed with substantial resources, really be praying and asking the Lord what you should do. But don't give it to some Yahoo running around with a Learjet. There's a scripture that says that it's a curse to give unto the rich. So in Proverbs, that's right. Don't yeah, expect so anything Don't give back. it to the rich. They don't need your help. Give it to the real poor. There is a... Um, there's a ministry in Israel that I've checked out carefully that is helping the poor in Jerusalem, and it's called Yad Alazir. And um, 
It's Y-A-D-E-L-I-E-Z-E-R. And they, like 96% of the dollars donated go directly to feeding and helping the poor in, in Israel. And of the Russian immigrants that came back into the land, Israel doesn't have a big social welfare system like the U.S. There are people that are in extreme poverty. There are little babies that don't have enough to eat. There are orphans and widows in Israel that are in extreme hardship. And the, the scripture is very clear where the Lord says to address the needs of the widows and orphans because they yes. cannot help themselves. And that's right. And, you yeah, know, I think so there's that's even a... true religion is helping widows and orphans. And there's also a scripture, many scriptures, where the Lord says, I will bless those that bless Israel. <laughs> that's right. So, now, you know, I don't know for sure, and I'm oh, I'm kind of half kidding, but I'm sort of not. Um, I don't know if you get double credit for Brother, you were just read my mind. blessing Israel and for feeding widows and orphans in Israel, but i got to tell you, you're not making a mistake if you're helping widows and orphans in Jerusalem. I thought I was the um, first to come up with that. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, that's a confirmation. That? that sounds like a double payback to me. Um, well, the Lord says he's going to bless those who bless Israel, and he, he right. also says that if you help the widows and orphans, he's going to remember that you did it. So, And i got to tell you, I've been to Jerusalem. There is severe poverty in Israel. Yes. And while money still has value, uh, trust the Lord. He said, help the poor, and, and, and you're just lending it to me. Well, in what's coming, it might be a good thing to to uh, have lent some money to God. Amen. He can pay you back when Ben Bernanke's money's worthless. He pays better interest in the banks too, doesn't he? Well, you don't have to worry, you know, worry about it collapsing. And they take the it. Lord. You know what? If you take care of the things that are on the Lord's heart, you know. I mean, you know Israel. Amen. The time to favor Zion has come. You know. Israel is on the heart of the Lord. Yes. And then you talk about feeding little babies, orphan children, and, and small children that are hungry in Jerusalem. Yes. Uh, my, my witness is this is something very much on the Lord's heart. You yes. take care of the Lord's business, um, I think it is a reasonable expectation that the Lord will be concerned about yours. Praise God, that is the truth. And I'm going to put yeah. that link up in the uh, the show na- notes for YadEliezer.org, I uh, believe it is. Alizare, I think is Alizare. Say it, but Yeah. Oh, and if they've got 50,000 people that work for that ministry, every one of them a volunteer. Wow. 50,000 volunteers distributing the food and the, and the medical supplies to the poor throughout Israel. I mean, it's yeah. simply awesome. And I know you, you do your research, so, uh, folks, that's a... That's a good um, recommendation. In fact, I have uh, I have tied to them before, and you can go over there actually and choose, you know, a widow, an orphan, uh, support a baby with baby milk. I mean, there's several categories there, and it's cool. So you know that it's going to get to the, the people there, so you'll be blessed if you do. Well, yeah, and you know what else? When the U.S. dollar collapses, which could come as quickly as, you know, a, a few months from now, certainly within the next 12 months, the dollar is going to collapse. It's going to lose... I would guess 80% of its value, maybe maybe 90. Regardless, the, our ability as Americans to reach out and bless 
the poor in Israel or bless the poor wherever you feel led. You know, there are great ministries to widows and orphans that are Christian-based, spirit-led all over the world. But your ability to do that today as an American is about to be eliminated or substantially reduced. Because when the dollar gets devalued, you know, now you're given cents on the dollar. So there's a brief window while we still have money that's worth something. We still have an economy that's functioning. You can bless the widows and orphans, and you can bless Israel, and you can, you know, do what is right in your heart. You know, seek the Lord. But i got to tell you, the Scripture says in many places, woe unto those who've stored up riches for the last days. And so, you know, if you are a affluent person who has assets, you've got gold, you've got money, you've got all this stuff, you worked hard for it, you earned it honestly, it's righteous, you've given unto the Lord what he's asked you to give, and you still have wealth left over, ask God what he would have you to do with it. Amen. Um, Benjamin, give out your websites. Um, Well, I mean, I do have a website. I don't, there's, it's the same as it was a while ago. I don't really have anybody monitoring it. So, you know, if people care to go look, it's BenjaminBaruch.com. If they're interested in the book, Yes. Uh, the Day of the Lord is at Hand, it is available on Amazon. Um, awesome. Yeah, and I I actually distribute it through what I call prophecy books. Um, it's, I mean, actually, um, we've printed a third edition. If you go on Amazon, you'll actually see second edition, but I don't have an ISBN number for the third, so I'm just shipping the third edition copy. And I'm also including in there uh, 2010 update where I kind of walk through the timing of the 70 weeks, which in a nutshell, um, it's my witness that the seven weeks prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 pertains to the second coming, to actually the appearance of the man-child, and Omega Man, maybe we can do another show sometime and talk about all that, but that's 49 years from when the decree to rebuild Jerusalem went forth, and the decree was issued in 1950 by the Knesset. Yes. But the prophecy pertains to the holy city. And the holy city today we call the old city. And the old city was under Jordanian control until 1967, when the West Bank was taken back and Israeli sovereignty was returned. And at that point, the legal command of the Knesset became legally valid for the holy city. And in my Understanding, we would begin the count of the seven weeks, which is 49 years, which takes us to 2016, which would mean, if that is correct, the final three-and-a-half-year tribulation, the last three-and-a-half years when the man-child appears, when the abomination of desolation occurs, will begin in the spring of 2016, which, if the Antichrist confirms the covenant of death, was made for seven years, that seven-year confirmation must begin in the fall of 2012, which would mean the new world order of the beast rises as a world government within the next two years. And if that's correct, and my own witnesses, I think it actually might be right, folks. Uh, It's certainly in line with the timing of the adversary. That is their schedule, no doubt. 
then that means that the complete fall of Babylon is going to occur, including her cities being burned and desolate. That all occurs within the next 24 months. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that leads into another question here. Uh, one of the chat room said, uh, Benjamin, I've read your book. Can you talk about the remnant uh, might go to Israel when America starts being judged? Uh, what do you mean by that, and why do you think that the remnant of America may end up in Israel? Well, actually, the remnant from the whole world is going to Israel, not just from America. And although in America the scripture is very clear, everybody's going to depart. After World War III, which is the Battle of Ezekiel 38, in which Israel is attacked, if you go to verse 10, read this carefully, it says, at the same time, an evil thought comes into the mind of the communist uh, Arab powers. And they decide to attack a nation of unwalled villages whose people have got great wealth. Well, so, Israel has walls around their villages. Yes. Those walls are not coming down. The nation of immigrants that have no defenses is America. So when the Battle of Ezekiel 38 occurs, which is the attack on Israel, there will be simultaneously an attack on the United States of America. That attack will involve the use of nuclear weapons on the east and west coast and most likely biological weapons in all the other major cities. That will render the United States, as far as its cities, uninhabitable. And you're not, you know, the, the survivors, whether it's 50 million, 30 million, 100 million, I, I have no idea. But however many millions of people survive this war, they're not going to be able to stay in the cities. They will be contaminated. They will be radioactive. They will be biologically contaminated. You will not stay. You will depart, and you're not going to go to the middle of the Nevada desert. People are going to leave the country in mass. The land will be utterly desolate without inhabitants. And now people have said to me, you know, Benjamin, the Lord would never move all the people from one country to another. And I said, really? Have you ever read the book of Exodus? Oh, yeah. God is in the business of moving his people. And sometimes he moves all of them out of one country and into another. And, you know, we don't have time to get into all the prophecies, but the scripture is very clear. All of your brethren, out of all of the nation, are being brought back to the land of Israel. You can find that in Isaiah. I, maybe we can just close with this. The yeah. very last chapter of Isaiah, um, if I can... I've got a little bit of a buffer here, so take your time, my friend. Isaiah 66... Um, and it talks about, this is the anointed remnant, okay? This is the man-child, if you can receive it. This is what it's talking about. And he says, I'll set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape unto the nations, into the islands that have not heard my fame nor seen my glory. They'll declare my glory to the Gentiles. And they shall bring all of your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all of the nations, all of your brethren, out of all the nations, back to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. And as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel, that's what the Lord's looking for here. The remnant are clean. They've made themselves holy. They've washed their garments in the blood of the Lamb. They've done the hard work to repent to break through that pretense in your mind where, wherein you hide your sin. The remnant have been made clean. And guess what? All of your brethren are coming out of all of the nations. Now, you can debate 
can get into a theological debate on, on what the Lord means by the word all. But I've looked into it carefully, and I'll tell you what all means. It means all. All of them. How's that possible? Well, it's real possible. The entire world, with the exception of one area, is coming under the dominion of the Antichrist. He'll quickly move to implement the mark. If you're there, and you don't got the mark, and you're living in an Antichrist system, you're either leaving or you're leaving. <laughs> you know, they don't, you don't get to stay in your house in, you know, an Antichrist city where all your neighbors have the mark of the beast and, you know, they just turn off your water <laughs> and your phone because you can't pay because you don't have the mark. It's not going to work like that, folks. They will hunt you. And so the remnant will flee. I mean, the scripture says, they that escape shall escape. In Habakkuk, we're told, they that read it may run. You know, the remnant is going to escape. They're going to have to run. They're going to flee to the wilderness, to the place prepared by the Lord. And it means literally. Now, there's a man-child coming that's going to protect them. The Lord's coming to protect his people. You're not going to be running on your own, but you're definitely traveling. If you can receive it, it's in the Word. Is that um, tied into the Feast of the Tabernacles that's coming up this week? Um, maybe preparation well, you know, for going everything God does is, You know, Shannon, everything God does is tied to the Feast in some fashion. So, yeah, I would imagine it's probably more likely, um, you know, a different feast than tabernacles, but I don't know. I mean, well, I mean in other words, uh, parallel. For the, I've talked to many people who are going to keep the feast this week. It's probably good practice for going into the wilderness, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm not sure the flight into the wilderness is going to be on tabernacles or not. But, yeah, it's great practice. Absolutely. But, yeah, we're headed into the wilderness. We are going to leave the world system behind. Well, we better get We're not into God's stay in our houses. You know, you're not staying in your suburban uh, American home and watching the events of the Great Tribulation on your widescreen TV on CNN. In HD. <laughs> in HD. That is not how it occurs. Okay? You're going to be in the event, not watching it. Honey, uh, give me just a minute. I need to go down to Starbucks and... Um... Put that on TiVo. I'll be back. I want to see the... Yeah, can you put the uh, War of Ezekiel 38 on pause for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. This thing's not going to pause, and, and we're not going to watch it on television. Now, we better get into God's economy and really quick, shouldn't we? Yeah. We're yeah, going to need that to survive. Well, brother, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, would you honor us with uh, closing in prayer? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and thank you for the opportunity to always a pleasure. Truth and and uh, you know, I just hope what we shared was uh, life and brought hope and encouragement to to God's people because we have everything to be hopeful for and we have every reason to be encouraged. And and uh, yeah, let's pray, Father. We do thank you that there is hope. In the name of Jesus, Father, you've come to bring us hope. And your word declares that the Lord will be the hope of his people in this hour. Lord, when 
everything around us that can be shaken is being shaken and falls to the ground, your word will abide and stand alone. And your kingdom, Lord, that is coming, that is even now in eternity, cannot and will not ever be shaken. So, Lord, we call upon your name. You said in your word that all who call upon your name will be saved. Father God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the King of Israel, Yahweh, mighty Jehovah, we call upon your name. Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, our King, our Redeemer, Messiah and friend, we call upon your name, Lord Jesus. I ask, Lord, you would touch the hearts of your people. Touch all of our hearts, Lord, and reveal to us what lies within us. And Lord, if there be any pretense within us, bring it out, Lord. Search us and know us and bring us the understanding of what we must do to clean up, Lord, and help us to become holy by the power of your Spirit, Father. Pour out your Spirit upon the dry ground. Pour out your Spirit, Lord Jesus, to break the yoke of iniquity, to break the bars of darkness. Set your people free, Lord. Pour out your Spirit on a day of clear shining without clouds, Lord, that new life could spring forth on the day of the latter rains, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us in the furnace of affliction. We thank you that you're faithful to judge your people. Lord, that your judgment is always measured with mercy. For, Lord, you have never judged us in what we deserve, Lord. You've always shown us mercy as a loving, tender father. So, Father, we thank you and we give you praise in the midst of the fire, Lord. We thank you for the trials and tribulations. We thank you for the purging work of the fire of your Spirit to make us more like you. And, Lord, we pray that we could become holy, even as Jesus Christ commanded us that we be holy, even as you, Father, are holy. And, Father, we exclaim, along with the angelic host, that you are Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of your glory. And Lord, you are faithful and true. In all your ways are righteous and just. Lord, unto us belongs confusion of faces. But unto you is the eternal kingdom and all of the glory and the honor. And Lord, you are working all things according to the counsel of your will. So we humble ourselves before you. And we ask for mercy. We seek your salvation. Lord, we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. We earnestly desire your kingdom. And Lord, we ask that your word would come alive within us. Let your word renew our minds. Wash us in the renewing power of your word and redeem us by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, bring your repentance upon us that we could turn from our own evil ways and that the enemy would have nothing in us that we could be set free Lord to serve you and to worship you without fear all the days of our life 
Father, we ask these things according to your will and in accordance with your word. We come before you and we humbly request your perfect will be done in us. In Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you for it, Father. We bless you and we praise you. And we lift up your name. We pray, Lord, that we would decrease. That you might increase in us, Lord. And, Lord, that you be glorified. No matter what happens, Lord, or what your will is in our life, I pray, Lord, that Jesus Christ would be glorified. For, Lord, this is your day. This is your day, and it is your time to lift your name high and let all the earth fear before you. We praise you, Lord, that we know your truth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Omega Man Radio with special guest Benjamin Brute tonight. Benjamin, uh, God bless you, my friend, and uh, we'll have you back on again real soon. All right, brother. Give me a ring when you get off. Thank you, my friend. Shalom. That was uh, Benjamin Brooke, and uh, if you were like Manchild Witness tonight, who was listening to the last program, I'm going to send you uh, some special Colombian blend. Keep your heart over there. <laughs> Uh, you can tune into uh, the MP3 archive. Uh, shouts out to Elizabeth Nebenfuhr, uh Brother Michael, uh, Rando, Bobs, JC Overcomers, Stephanie, uh, Brother Mike Bradford, Manchild Witness. Let's see, we've got some new friends tonight. Jen MR, Nisi. Okay, there's Sarah Smith, Maria 308. Uh, let's see, who else do we have here? Oh, yes, last but not least. ISAV Radio, my good friend Peter Coolen, Grok558 in Dolmundo. Uh, I think even Zoe snuck into the chat tonight. I saw the man. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, God bless you. Wow, can you believe six hours went by so quickly? My goodness. Well, that's what happens when you have some great guests on it. Uh, power of God is moving and there's an anointed message. So I'm praising God for the opportunity uh, to, to come back here to do this program again tonight and uh, keep us in prayer. Uh, I like the idea of doing a uh, a fast. Maybe we should all uh, get together. You know, it always helps when you have some people doing it along with you. You know, if I have to do it by myself, then I'm not accountable, you see. I mean, we all go through that, right? But uh, if I know someone else is doing it and then uh, I falter, well, I'll feel, I'll feel worse uh, going in, you know, sneaking out and having a cheeseburger. <laughs> Uh, I have to say the most I've ever done is three days, which is uh, I'm ashamed of. I hear some people that went a week, you know. I said, well, one guy went 40 days. I said, my goodness. I bet you if I can just make it through the three days, I'd you know, be home free. But uh, one time I tried to fast drinking coffee. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> uh, I lasted about two and a half days, and then I had a uh, – I, I just couldn't hold back anymore. I just went and got some chicken. When I was over in Costa Rica, they had this place that had great chicken, and they would give you homemade chips with salsa. You know, we were talking about chicken last night. This stuff was really good. And what else did they give you? I think they gave you a little bit of coleslaw. And uh, at any rate, I would recommend that you eat a really good meal before you fast, like have your last meal, and then do it. But uh, all joking aside, listen, uh, fasting will break the uh, the bands of wickedness. Um faster than anything. You know, the Bible talks about Isaiah 58. So anyway, I think uh, I've got to pray and uh, search.
start doing some fasting, you know, to, to hone in on the voice of God and uh, get some precise instructions. Break some demonic strongholds. That's awesome to do that. Well, God bless you tonight. Uh, let's see, tomorrow night we're going to have, let's see, tomorrow is, is it Thursday already? It's already Thursday today. What's up with that? Week's almost over. Let's see, we've got Charlie Holtzhauser, um on tonight <laughs> at 8 o'clock. And uh, let's see, then we've got, um, who do we have? We've got Pat Holiday with the School of Deliverance on uh, Saturday night at 8. We'll have uh, conversations on the backside of the desert with Zoe Mortal Sunday night. Uh, and we may have some other special guests. I'm still trying to get a, another guest for uh, Friday night. Oh, tomorrow. Also, we're going to have John Franklin in Canada at 11 p.m. It's going to be a good show. So uh, praise God. Okay, my friends, uh, you'll have a good night. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Mega Man Radio. And uh, I'll close with uh, a little bit of music here. Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at OmegaManRadio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio. I'm Matt Hill, and I'm not taking any more. I'm going to sleep.